Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. Also, be sure to stick around for the end of every episode where I'm going to reflect on the conversation and offer actionable coaching insights to have a real impact on your life. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. narcissist or even just somebody that has wounding or is like a wound mate not a soulmate you feel good in the beginning because there's this feeling of like this person is giving me something I know when I attracted that narcissist I didn't feel fully complete on the inside you know what I mean I still I was working on myself and it felt like oh I'm feeling complete now like that whole like you complete me bullshit you know yeah. but I felt it I'm feeling complete now when I met him and we kissed the first time we were shaking and I remember I lived in New York City at the time and for two weeks, I swear to God, I was walking into walls. I was walking into subway walls. It felt like I was high. But if you feel high in a relationship, that is usually a key indicator that that is not actually a healthy person for you to be with. Because hello, drugs make you high too, and they are not good for you. Hey, everybody, it's Ash here, and I am on the U-Turn podcast with another week of my favorite topic, which is love. Um, and I figured who better to bring on than Nicole Moore, who is a love coach and the creator of the Love Works Method. And, you know, I've been hearing from some of you in my DMs saying that you're sick of dating. And so I know a lot of you who are in relationships listen to this, and I also know there's a lot of you who are dating and trying to keep the optimism going. So I figured we'd do an episode with Nicole here on what to do when you're sick of dating and how to handle that. So Nicole, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to dive in. Yeah, me too. And I know that a lot of people are going to relate to this. So I'm kind of curious to hear like, what was your journey with love or what got you into this place? <laughs> um, how long do you have now? <laughs> I'm kidding. So the brief version, it's, it literally starts in the womb, you guys. Like, it starts in the womb. <laughs> so um, basically, long story short, I'm, I'm a twin. I was born premature. I was three pounds. They, the doctor basically told my mom, don't get attached to these children because they're going to die. Okay? This was in 1984. I don't know if doctors still do that kind of thing. But what happened was it created what I call a love crack for my mom. So basically, it was like this moment of deep-seated fear and terror. Long story short... I never heard my parents say I love you to me until I was literally like 25 years old. And my whole life pretty much for a very long time was the absence of love, was this feeling of not being loved. And, and, and it created a lot of drama in my relationships, a lot of pain in my relationships. And finally I decided like, I have to figure out how to make love work. <laughs> that's why it's the name of my company. I got to figure out this thing that's been the biggest pain of my life, but it was also the deepest desire of my life. I felt really motivated to figure it out. And so along the way, I got certified as a life coach. I started coaching lots and lots of women in love and relationships. 
And now it's grown into this amazing company, but it kind of started with like, you know, they say your message, your message or your biggest core wound kind of can become the thing that you're able to help other people with the most. So good. And, you know, I can't help but notice that when I go out to dinner with my friends and, you know, those of us who are dating, it's like sometimes you find like little creatures on Tinder or situations. I've actually never been on Tinder, so I'm not one to say, but you know, just like funny things on the internet uh, in the dating world. And I think there's a fine line between blocking yourself and being negative about it and also making light of it and laughing when it is funny. So I'm kind of curious, you know, just kind of getting into these steps, Nicole, for everybody listening who they're like, you know what, I am sick of dating and I want to get out of this, but I'm sick of it. It is what it is. So what are some steps that you can recommend starting with stopping complaining because I know that's your first step. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how can yeah. people even figure out that they are complaining? Because sometimes we don't realize we are. Yeah. Well, first of all, I met my husband on Tinder. So I'm, that's amazing. I'm a big fan of online dating. But th- th- people, you, you do have to stop complaining. Listen, I know it's like the most fun thing in the world to take a screenshot of something a creepy guy sent to you and send it to your friend with a bunch of sad face emojis. It kind of makes us feel good in a little, in a way to complain about it. But when you complain about the situation, you're actually perpetuating that energy moving forward. So you want to think about when you're out with your girlfriends, how are you talking about your your dating life, right? Are you talking about the negative things? Are you talking about what you're hopeful for? Are you complaining about men and thinking they all suck and there's nobody that I'm ever going to meet that is what I want? Or again, are you speaking about your desires? Are you speaking about the good things that happen? Are you speaking about inspiring examples? So the best way to tell if you're complaining, if you're speaking negatively about your love life, look at how you feel about it. (laughs) Because if you feel crappy about it, then it's very probable that you've been speaking crappily about um, your love life. And when you go on this negativity diet, when you stop complaining, what happens is you're actually going to have space to then focus on your desire, focus on what you do want. And I swear, then when your girlfriends are talking and complaining, you're going to stop them. (laughs) And you're going to be like, no, 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 don't bring me down. Like I'm trying to get to where I want to go. So good. Okay. And so you kind of drew the line there because you were saying like, no, don't make light of it. Don't laugh about it. It's it's all complaining. So what are some indicators? You said like the screenshot, stuff like that. Like what else is going on that sounds to you like complaining? Because I think sometimes complaining can be very sneaky in a conversation. Mm-hmm. Like I'll never find it. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with men? I'm spending another holiday single that kind of stuff, all of the little insidious doubt that creeps in. I really believe at the end of the day that every single person on this planet who has a desire for love, the reason they have it in their heart is because it's meant for them. But if you start watching this, you're going to pay attention to how much you doubt in your own mind, whether it's you go on a bad date and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'll never find love. Right? It yeah. happens all of the time, actually. Totally. And You know, one of my favorite things that I love that you've said is, you know, before we started recording was step two, you said date for growth. So decide that the outcome is certain and see, you know, how interactions are bringing you forward and they're a win every time. So I think anybody listening who's feeling really down with dating and I've been there, it's like, okay, dating for growth, you know, like they're just so tired. And so I'm curious Like, how can we switch our mindset on this and really start to see dating as a tool for growth? 
Yeah. Well, the reason I created dating for growth, honestly, is I did it for myself. Um, I became single after I had already built a love coaching business. And then I realized the person I was in a relationship with wasn't my soulmate. He was actually an emotionally abusive narcissist. (laughs) So there I was single as a love coach going, okay, S-H-I-T, right? I gotta, (laughs) I gotta figure my stuff out. I don't know if I can curse, but I gotta figure my stuff out. (laughs) Awesome. Shit. I gotta figure my stuff out. And here's what happened. So I had the perspective already having been a love coach for several years of talking to women, quite honestly, that were, you know, further along than me in their 50s, 60s, you know, and hearing about how they decided to stop dating or they were so bitter about dating. And it honestly scared me. It made me realize if I keep with this mindset of dating sucks, it's not leading me to where I want to go. <laughs> like it's never going to lead me there. And it might even lead me to being single for life. I know that sounds dramatic, but if you talk to enough women who are really bitter about their love lives, like I had, it'll kind of make you scared. So I thought, how do I make this fun? How do I make this not a drag and drain on my life? And I thought, okay, I can see that I'm winning with every single day. If I can see that it's moving me forward, I want to do it. Because we like taking action if we know it's going to move us forward towards our goal. We hate taking action if it seems like it's pointless and it's not moving us anywhere. And I think that's why people tend to hate dating because they don't see the clear link between their actions and their results. And the reason is because we've collectively decided as a society, I guess, that the only measure of success in love and dating is if you're with the person for life. (laughs) Everything else is pretty much a failure, right? And so we go out and we date, and if the guy's not the one, we feel bad. Mm. And so dating for growth, you could just say dating for fun, dating to make yourself feel good, dating to make dating not feel like it's this shitty experience that's leading you nowhere. So when you ask yourself, okay, how is even like the guy sending me a dick pic on Tinder? How is that leading me towards the one? How is that leading me towards my guy, my woman, whatever it is that you want? At first, your brain's going to go, I don't know. This is stupid. (laughs) I hate this. What are you talking about? But if you sit there and you keep asking the question, how is this leading me towards the one? What's going to happen is the mind always likes to answer the questions that you ask. It doesn't like uncertainty. You're going to find the way or you make the way. So you could say, well, this guy on Tinder who's sending me a dick pic, you know, bless him because at least he's open about what he's wanting, right? But it's really showing me even more that I want a committed man. It's really showing me even more that I'm done with hookups. I don't care about this. I want a committed man or woman, right? Whatever your preference is. And then you could just say, I'm not gonna let this experience take me down. I'm gonna let it be something that I use to focus on what is it gonna feel like when I'm with that committed person. And then the experience hasn't made you go towards the negative side. You've used it to go towards the positive side. So that's just an example. But if you date for growth, you actually will get there faster than if you just spin in your own self-created negativity, if that makes sense. And I know that it can be quite the vortex we can create for ourselves. So I'm curious, like, what are some processes that you can offer somebody who maybe they just got off of a date and it really sucked, you know, and they're trying to look for the positive. They're trying to see where they grew. What can somebody kind of do given that you have so much mastery here? 
Yeah. So there's basically like different different growth you can look for. So one of them is contrast. It's really showing you the, what you don't want, right? Which is really helpful. When you know what you don't want, you know what you do want even more. So you could just decide the purpose of this date was simply to show me contrast. It was to help me figure out even more what I was wanting, and then you could feel good. Or you could look for, you know, like the emotional triggers, because sometimes that's helpful. Like if this is the 10th date in a row that you've gone on with a guy who doesn't want marriage and kids and is totally unavailable and you want it, it's kind of feedback, (laughs) right? So you could say, you know what, this date sucked, but it's revealing something within me that I really want to shift. It's revealing that I have a pattern of attracting unavailable people. And you might not even know how to shift it, but just that awareness, you could go on YouTube, you could Google, right? Unavailable men, you could go on my YouTube channel, there's a million resources. So that date served the purpose of illuminating the thing within you that you need to heal. Sometimes dates show you that you've set a new standard, like you've changed, you've grown, you're not available for the same thing anymore. You attract in a guy who maybe he's unavailable and you're like, I'm not even hooked by this anymore. Like, go me. Like, I have grown. I have changed, right? Sometimes dates show you what you want. Like, I remember one time I went and it wasn't even a date. It was like a friendship kind of date with this guy. And, I, you know, we're at La Pan Cotillian. I don't know if you know what that is, but whatever. It's a lunch place. And I ordered a tartine on gluten-free bread. And when it came... It wasn't on gluten-free bread. And I was just going to be a nice, I was going to be nice and I wasn't going to say anything. At the time, I wasn't fully gluten-free. It was just a preference, right? And this man, when I said, I just said, oh, it's not gluten-free. He got up from the table, went and walked over to the waiter and got, not in a mean way, but he got her to change my order. And I thought, wow, like I really want my person that I'm with, my man, to treat me this way. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking, what if I just always had that kind of level of treatment? Well, fast forward, my husband, Mike, let me just tell you, he's Italian. He's very much like, eat something. (laughs) And if anything is wrong with my meal or anything, he would do that. But how did I get that? that? That beautiful man that I went on one friendship date with wasn't the one but he sparked something in me to say, I deserve more. So those are just some examples of how you can really use these dates to grow forward rather than staying stuck. Mm, I love that. And I'm curious to ask you about exes because I think that's an area where a lot of people learned a lot and maybe they have a struggle letting go of their ex or, you know, like they don't see what the positive was because like in your case, you said you dated a narcissist and I would Mm -hmm. love to ask you more about you know, signs of a narcissist and stuff like that. Um, But I'm kind of curious, like, what is it about when somebody is not enjoying dating and they're not over their ex? Yeah, I think it's like the human mind kind of just tends to, we tend to limit ourselves, right? And so we kind of think that the best we've ever had is the best that we're ever going to get. And that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make in dating, especially women, but I'm sure men do this too. We confuse, this is the best connection I've ever had with this is the best that I will ever have. Because if you have a bad ex, even like my ex who you know was totally narcissistic and emotionally abusive and he cheated on me with multiple women, like even him, that, that, but the reason I was attracted was because there were some good qualities, right? Like yeah. we, we never really fall for a completely horrible person. We usually fall for someone who has a lot of good qualities that we can see 
And maybe they've also got some wounding, right, and stuff that later ends up hurting us. Um, but I, like, I remember being in that relationship and having that thought, like, I could never get anything better. But the truth was, it wasn't that I couldn't get anything better. It was that at the time, I didn't believe I deserved anything better, mm. you know? So um, for anyone that's still pining over your ex, I invite you to just imagine the moment in the future when you're with your new partner, who's so much better, and you look back at yourself now with a lot of compassion and love going, oh, sweet girl or guy, whatever, like, it's so cute that that's what you thought you deserved. Like, that's what I do. When I look back at my former self, I'm like, it's just funny that I thought that was the limit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But you can just project yourself into the future and feel that feeling, even if you're not with that person, the feeling you would have if you were fully over it and you're with your dream partner and you're just like, oh, sweet girl. <laughs> I love you. I'm sorry you didn't know that you deserve more at that time, but I'm glad you do know you deserve more now. Beautiful. Okay. And, um, I don't know, just kind of before we get into further steps, and I know those of you who listen often take notes, so number one, stop complaining, number two, date for growth. But just kind of to take a little tangent with you, Nicole, because I love this topic of narcissist. I've dated one, and it was kind of a mind-blowing, crazy-making, as-it-is experience. So I'm curious um, for ladies who are listening who maybe they're in a relationship that isn't working right now, maybe they're thinking about becoming single, maybe they're dating and they're not spotting some signs. Like, what are some signs that somebody is with somebody that is not healthy? Um, because I know there's yeah. complaining about dating and then there's encountering somebody that is toxic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I would say you feel bad. So a lot of times with narcissists or even just somebody that has wounding or is like a wound mate, not a soulmate, you feel good in the beginning because there's this feeling of like this person is giving me something. I know when I attracted to that narcissist, I didn't feel fully complete on the inside. You know what I mean? Um, I still, I was working on myself and it felt like, oh, I'm feeling complete now. Like that whole, like you complete me bullshit, you know, yeah. but I felt it. I'm feeling complete now. When I met him and we kissed the first time we were shaking. And I remember I lived in New York City at the time. And for two weeks, I swear to God, I was walking into walls. I was walking into subway walls. It felt like I was high. But if you feel high in a relationship, that is usually a key indicator that that is not actually a healthy person for you to be with because hello, drugs make you high too and they are not good for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, I confuse the high feeling with love and I think a lot of women do that. And there's a difference between my feet are off of the ground, my head is in the clouds, I'm feeling like maybe there's a lot of chemistry and excitement but there's not a lot of stability and I'm in stable love. My feet are on the ground, my heart is super open. I feel really happy but it's not this crazy making energy so if you feel crazy in the relationship if you feel you felt good in the beginning but now you're feeling really bad and you don't know why and you're thinking like i just want to go back to how it was in the beginning if there's criticism in any way even subtle hints of criticism um that's not a good sign if you your intuition is telling you that that person is um you know, lying and you confront them and they, like, I remember one time I thought I had this feeling that my ex was cheating on me because he was. <laughs> and I asked him about it and he said, you're crazy. Oh you are gosh. making this up. It was like, you know, kind of turning back on you. So if you're with somebody who cannot take responsibility for their actions, who it's always your fault and they can never look within and, and really hear you, hear your feelings, understand your concerns, um, if it's up and down, topsy-turvy, if you don't feel 
stable, um, then you're probably in a toxic relationship. Mm, So helpful. So helpful. And I think I'm curious, like, do you know what happens to the brain when people fall in love? Because you kind of made a good point. Like, it feels like it's drugs. And I think a lot of people feel that, though. And it's not always a bad sign. It's just like they're in love and it feels magical. So I'm kind of curious to understand where is it magic and where is it dysfunction? (laughs) Well, real love is actually magic. So there's an author um, by the name of Bruce Lipton. He wrote a book on this called The Honeymoon Effect. And they studied the effect of people in love. And what they found was that when you're in love, your brain is actually in this heightened state. Like you can think better. Um, you actually kind of have more power than creative energy and creative juice. So real love is really good for you. But again, it's kind of, it really is like the difference between going for a jog and having a 20 minute runner's high and it's endorphins and you feel really good and doing, I don't know, I've never done like crystal math, but I can only imagine, <laughs> right? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And doing a drug where you it's a high, but it's not this wholesome uh, feeling. It's not something that's ultimately good for you. So real love, it not only feels good, there's this lasting good. It's replenishing. You keep feeling good. It's not that you never have like a fight or anything like that, but it's not like you start off feeling really good and then it degenerates and degenerates and degenerates. Whereas the fake love, the toxic love, the good feeling is usually um, fleeting, little moments of that, and then a whole lot of you know feeling bad, feeling like crap. So helpful. Okay, so you know it's interesting. I think a lot of people aren't connected to themselves and they don't realize when they feel bad. So I'm curious what signs people who are listening now. Like, for example, I read a book called The Science of Happily Ever After, and I don't know if you read that book, but one study that it had in there was that usually friends are more hip to whether a couple is good news or bad news um, because they are neutral parties just watching, you know, a couple. And it's not so much the dynamic that usually friends are judging by. They're looking at the human that their friend picked. They're looking for their integrity and all these qualities that anybody would want for a friend that maybe you're not noticing when you're in love. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, like, you know, maybe your friends chiming in and being concerned could be an indicator. Um, What other indicators are there for maybe people who are in a toxic relationship or are dating somebody that's not good for them and they're not paying attention? Yeah. So, well, one of the biggest things is love is not all you need. Okay. So likability is, I'm not going to say it's the most important thing because love is important to you, but likability is really important. I don't know if you've ever been in this, but like, I, I remember when I was with my narcissistic ex, there are moments where I felt like I really loved him, but if I were actually look at it, I'm like, do I even like really, really like you? Like there are so many things that I felt like I had to compromise on in order to be in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And it felt like I was always like, but I love him, but I love him. But there were all these excuses, right? It's like the love became the most important thing, but it wasn't focusing on basic things like, are we compatible? (laughs) Am I being treated really well, right? Do we have the same life vision? Is this the life I want? I mean, uh, he lived in, uh, you know, Maryland, which, you know, whoever lives in Maryland, nothing against that, but I'm a New York City girl, right? Like it was just like not, I live in San Diego now, but it was not like even the life that I wanted, you know, and I was seriously considering moving over there. Mm. So um, if it's not a great relationship, you have to sacrifice big parts of who you are Mm. in order to keep the love. 
that is one of the main things. If you can't fully be yourself, if you have to let go of huge parts of your life vision and what you would choose for yourself, independent of this person, that's not the best sign. Okay, so this is a very slippery slope because I think it's a fine line between looking at love and saying this is a vehicle for growth and I don't want to give up a part of myself and the line of, oh wow, this person has something going on that I've never really explored and maybe I should think about like the way that I see it and change my mind about that. So for example, um, sexual preferences, like maybe somebody wants an open relationship and the other person has never considered that. It's like, where's the line between them abandoning what they want and opening their mind to trying something new? Or, you know, the couple who the guy lives in London and the woman lives in LA and, you know, he can't move because of work and she never really thought of that there, but maybe she loves him so much she kind of wants to explore and see if London is possible for her. So I'm kind of curious, like, how do we connect to ourselves and make these decisions of exploring something new versus abandoning ourselves. Yeah, I think you just have to look at would true sacrifice of myself be required? Like for example, the person joining, uh, considering an open relationship, they might, if they try it and they really like it, then it would be an expansion of who they are. You know what I mean? So they would feel better as a result of doing it. You know what I mean? They might feel scared in the beginning and they might do it because of, you know, they want to please the other person. But ultimately in that scenario, that person would have to actually enjoy open relationships in my opinion, right? Or else it wouldn't really work. And just like the thing with moving to London, um, the person who's moving, if they are going to move quote for love, what they would have to really consider is what are the price of myself that I feel like I'd be leaving behind and can I create them over there? Because y'all know what would happen if they didn't do that, right? They'd move to London, be completely dependent on their partner <laughs> and then um, ultimately probably make their partner really unhappy. So I don't believe that love ever requires you to sacrifice huge parts of yourself love actually with the right person you should feel like you're becoming more of yourself and of course that person expands your mind they they bring new possibilities but it should always feel like i'm becoming better as a result of being with this person not i'm having to lose parts of me or i'm slowly losing who i am and you know i also think love happens on different schedules right like some people slowly move into feeling comfortable with commitment. Other people want to date for longer. So I'm kind of curious, like, for the ladies who are dating and wanting commitment, it's like, what words of wisdom do you have? Because maybe they met somebody that needs a little more time and mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. Like, what feedback do you have for those beginning stages where somebody can kind of pace themselves and do the best they can to create the most healthy love? Yeah, well, I think here's what you have to think about, because a lot of women, especially they take it personally, if they want to move forward and the guy doesn't want to move forward as quickly, you have to think about this. If he was dating somebody else, would he still be moving at the same pace? And if the answer is yes, and it's really not personal. So what you want to look at is what part of me is choosing to take this? Because usually women will say it's because I'm not good enough, right? <laughs> like some other reason that's not actually true. If it's truly how this person is, if he would do it independent of if it's you or someone else, then there is no need to take it personally, right? But once you're not taking it personally, you can communicate that with that person. You can say, you know, it could be wrong, 
but it feels a little bit like we have different ideas of the pace of commitment and relationship. And I just wanted to talk to you about it to get, you know, your sense of it. And, and I want to share my sense and you can kind of have a communication about it and bring it out in the open. That's a very different conversation than like, why aren't you giving me a commitment kind of energy? Mm-hmm. So clear the energy first. Don't make it mean something about you, but then you can use your voice and speak up and communicate. You're not saying like, please commit to me right now because I'm not going to be okay. But you can say, this is my vision. This is what the, the, like, this is what the timeline looks like. This is what I feel like a, the progression of a relationship looks like. I'm curious to know your thoughts on it. Mm, great. Okay. And, um, you know, so kind of going back to the steps, we talked about what to do when you're sick of dating. Number one is stop complaining. Number two is date for growth. And then number three, you said, just say yes to the maybes. So I'm kind of curious to learn a little bit more about this because I think a lot of people are very quick to say, yep, nope, you know, and I'm curious kind of what is a maybe for somebody or what are some signs that that could be a good maybe for them to go try on? Yeah, I think you just have to, if if you're like, "Hmm, kind of cute, maybe you should just go on the date. Because again, if you're not looking for the date has to be the one, but it's just going to help me grow forward, you can always find something. So I'll give you an example. Um, My husband, Mike, on Tinder, I swear, he's like lucky that I swiped at him because half his picture, all of his pictures were either to the side or he had sunglasses on. Some of them, he looked really hot. Like he had the old modeling pictures from when and he used to be like an actor and singer in LA. And some of them, he did not look good. He was doing this weird scrunchy face that he does sometimes when he laughs, right? And I, so I remember looking at them and like, um, I don't know, could he be cute? Maybe he has cross eyes and he's trying to hide that, right? Like those are all the things that are going through my head. But he had one line, I mean, Tinder doesn't have a lot of text in the profile, but the top line said, keeping it zen. And I'm a very spiritual person. Um, and I just felt like, huh, Maybe that could be a good conversation. I like that he says keeping it zen. And I went on the date fully thinking maybe he seriously is hiding cross eyes because his pictures were all like to the side or with sunglasses. And if he is, I'm just going to go on the date. I'm just going to be present. I'm just going to meet this person and have a great conversation and use it for my growth. So he, you, you really, especially if it's online dating, but even if you go to a bar, right, and you meet someone and they're like, hey, can I have your number? You don't really most of the time know if this person is your husband, your wife, your partner for life off of a profile or off of meeting somebody one time. So you, you just have to say, like, yes to everyone who you feel like maybe they're cute. Maybe this could be a fun date. Um, and then go from there because I've had a lot of clients, for example, who like, um, one of my clients who's now married, the guy was living, um, I think he was living in Queens or Long Island city. And she was living in the city, which if you're a New Yorker, that seems like a really far (laughs) distance, but something in her said, I don't know, I should say yes. Even though her rule prior was, I don't want to date anyone who lives farther away. And he ended up being her husband. Hey U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Career Clarity Lab, the online course to help you find your career purpose in the workforce and upgrade your confidence. So if you're ready to unlock the best career path for you and you'd like to try a free version of our Clarity course, just head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com slash Clarity. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash Clarity. Now let's get back to this week's episode. 
As far as saying yes to the maybes go, I think attraction often can just be there or not. And I, I'm guessing that you probably have something different to say about that because I think a lot of people are quick to say, yep, it's there or no, it's not. So what feedback do you have for somebody listening who's dating right now and they're pretty discerning about their yeses and nos and maybe they could stand to have a few more maybes come in? Yeah, I think, okay, here's the thing. Um, you can always get what you want in terms of if you have this checklist of all the things that you think need to be in your ideal partner and they need to be this attractive and blah, 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 blah. You can always get the essence of what you want, right? But it doesn't always have to come in the form that you think it has to come in. So I'll give you an example. Before I was dating, um, I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I love entrepreneurship. I love, I'm a growth oriented person. Obviously I love creating goals and going after it and, and doing bigger things every single year. So my mind was telling me, you should be with an entrepreneur. Like, that's going to make sense for you. This is your lifestyle, blah, 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 blah. But what I really wanted in that was somebody who's growth-oriented, who's driven, who's going to grow and expand. So I go on a date with Mike, and he's selling life insurance, which doesn't necessarily equate, right? But actually... The way he did his job, you wouldn't even believe it, right? He won Rookie of the Year that year. He went after it with this passion and this intensity and this fire. He really made it happen, and he has that drive. Long story short, now he's working in my company, and you know he's like an incredibly hard worker. But he has the quality of what I thought needed to come only via an entrepreneur. If that makes sense? Yeah. So focus on the content, not the frame, as A Course in Miracles says, like focus on the content, focus on the feeling, how you want to feel, um, not necessarily how you think it should look. In terms of attraction, though, let me just say, you got to know who you are, right? I'm the kind of person, like I am a very looks kind of person, <laughs> you know, I just am. So I always had a physical attraction high on the list and I knew myself enough to know if I don't feel physically attracted, it's not going to move forward. But some women, some men, the attraction can grow over time. So you kind of got to know who you are. Um, and I think everyone is different on this this case for sure. Mm, so helpful. Um, okay, so just kind of thinking about your steps, saying yes to the maybes being step three. Um, number four, you said, what does my heart want and need versus the mind? Yeah. I think this is huge. So many people, especially on this podcast, I've heard it time and time again, where people say, come up with a list, write down what you want your person to be. And I think that that could be very helpful. And it can also be a way for us to just live in our head and write down all the mental constructs of what we think we want versus what we actually need. So I'm curious on what your feedback is here for people to get connected to what their heart wants. Yeah. So a good place to start is uh, if you think about like your childhood, actually, we're going all the way back now, <laughs> right? Um, this is the truth. Most people today, at least, they even if they had sort of loving parents, they feel that they that their parents failed to love them in some very key important ways, right? They didn't listen. They didn't tell me they love me. They didn't do this. They didn't do that, right? And if we don't address those pieces, what happens is that we tend to look for partners from this place a lot of the time of like, I, I need this. Like my father abandoned me, so I need to attract someone who's always going to be here and I'm terrified of being abandoned, but then I end up attracting in people who are unavailable kind of thing. So you want to look at what do you feel you didn't get? Um, and then you want to, there's this energy of not I need this to be okay, but there's an energy of, I understand that now as an adult, I do deserve to be loved in this way. 
And to me, those are the most important qualities. Like I wrote a list of like five things that I felt like I would have loved from my parents. And it was simple things to me, but there were things I didn't get. Now, the difference is before I was dating unconsciously, where some part of me kept trying to get these things and trying to get these things and trying to get these things, but I would attract in people who could not give these things to me, right? When I decided from a place of self-worth, these things are important to me. I deserve to be loved in the way I deserve to be loved. And I will not date anyone who does not bring these qualities in. What happened was that I attracted in somebody who could give them to me in abundance. So instead of looking at the qualities, like he makes, I don't know, six figures a year and he's six foot four, whatever. I want you to really think about what are the ways that I need to be loved? What are the things that a partner would do in my life that would help me feel, you know, X, Y, Z, the feelings you want to feel? And look at that because ultimately a relationship is that. A relationship is your communication primarily with someone over a very long period of time and the things you do together and the sum total of that, how you feel about that, mm. right? That's a relationship, you guys. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's really important that you pick someone that, that when you're communicating with them over a long period of time and when you're doing things with them over a long period of time, you feel how you want to feel. So you have to start with the feeling first, not with what your mind thinks you need in order to be happy. Okay. And I think a lot of people don't really know what their heart wants. So what are some starting points for people who are listening right now thinking, okay, that sounds good, but I don't even, you know, I don't even know what I actually need now that I'm thinking about it, you know? Yeah. So I would look at what you didn't get. <laughs> I would look at the, the past relationships if you've had them that didn't work. What, what was missing? What were you longing for? What were you not having? And then I would look for um, examples. Like I would really, and it doesn't even matter. Like you could just think that these people have it and they have it. Like you might look at Meghan Markle and Prince Harry and think, I don't know, you can make it up, right? He treats her like a queen. We don't know if that's happening, but if that's your perception, that's what matters, right? So start to look for examples. If you see a happy couple um, on Facebook or on Instagram, don't make up a story that they're better than you in any way or anything like that, but look for what do I think they have? Like, why am I excited about that example? What lights me up about that example? And start writing it down. The inspiration is going to lead you to the answers to what really, really, really is important to you specifically. Mm, so helpful. Okay. And, you know, one of the things that I kind of bought into for a long time in my life was what my my mind thought that I needed and that got me stuck in my career which you know now uh, having courses on how to get a job and how to figure out the right job for you it's like I've gotten closer to my heart in my career um, and I think in love we all get hurt you know whether it's yeah. through dating or through our upbringing and our parents not giving us things that we really we needed and they didn't know or they did the best they could and they couldn't give it to us um, and so I'm also curious, like, not just looking at the things you didn't get or um, the feelings you want to have, but when it comes to, like, writing down a list or any exercises you can recommend, what can somebody do right now who's home and kind of wants to go deeper into this? Like, other than, you know, writing that list of who they want or maybe you have a way of doing that list, what are some exercises that you recommend people do to really connect to this? Yeah. Well, 
I do have a way of doing the list that I really like. Yes, <laughs> do tell. I would love it's it. It's not just writing the list. <laughs> but so you take out a Word document or you can write it down and you write your, I call it your I deserve and expect list, okay? So this is everything you deserve and expect from your ideal partner in terms of how he shows up or how she shows up and how they treat you, okay? So what it looks like is things like, like I had on my um, my list, I deserve and expect a partner who's a team, team player, for example, when I cook, he offers to do the dishes, right? I deserve and expect um, a man who sees me as a goddess and treats me as a queen. I deserve and expect a man who is like really family oriented and has an amazing heart. So you are throwing in some qualities there, but it's more about like kind of how this person is showing up for you, kind of how this person is showing up for their life. So you can go buck wild on this list. I don't care. Put as many things as you want. But then here's the important part. After you do this list, you want to go through it with a fine tooth comb and you want to highlight, and I did it in pink, <laughs> any color you want, highlight the ones that you don't feel you're currently embodying, that you don't feel you're currently bringing. So for example, if you want a man or woman, you know, whatever, to treat you like a queen or king, if you want that, are you doing that for yourself? Are you embodying that? If you want a man who is abundant, you don't have to have like a million dollars in your bank account, but do you have an abundance mindset with money? Are you working on that? So the I deserve and expect list, it's not just some wish list to the universe or whatever. It's your way of saying, am I aligned for this? Am I a match for this? Am I being the kind of person that would be a match for this? And then you just go down the list and whatever ones are highlighted, you don't feel bad and wrong about it that you're not there because you're a human being and we're all growing, but you just look at, okay, let me take one of these qualities. If I want a person, if I want a man to treat me like a goddess, what's one thing I could do today to start embodying that energy? And what's going to happen is over time that I deserve an expect list, you're going to go from feeling like it's a wish list to feeling like, of course, I'd have this in my life. Mm. Of course, I'd have someone. And that's really when you start getting, you know, attracting in those people, those higher level people, the quality men or women out there. It's not when you think, I want this. I really need this so badly. It's when you feel like, of course, I would have a man or woman in my life who shows up in this way and who treats me this way. That's when you get that person. Okay. So what I want to ask you about is this concept of attracting because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, you know, especially if they're not the most spiritual, they think like, what does that even mean? You know, like, is there like a little, like a bee with honey, like honey wafting off of you that attracts, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I'm curious to understand attracting. Does it mean that you're just start noticing other types of people? Cause you're in a different energy with yourself. Does it mean that other people start noticing you and coming walking closer by you? Like what does attracting mm -hmm. really mean to you? And what is this role of deserving and believing you are worthy of something play in that? Yeah. So to me, you really are attracting meaning to me when you focus on certain thoughts, when you focus on certain feelings, when you feel worthy of certain things, it's like they start coming into your life. Like my clients will literally tell me it's like a whole new crop of men showed up on Tinder or <laughs> started asking me out. So it's literally like there's a new train of people that comes into your life and they get off the station and all of a sudden they're in your life. That's what I mean by attracting. It's attracting is deciding because we all have um, the power of focus. We all have the power of attention. We all can say, with my mind, I'm going to focus predominantly on this thing. With my feelings, I'm going to predominantly feel how I would feel if I already had that thing. So attracting, or some people say manifesting, is simply deciding. There are 
billions of possibilities out there. There's a possibility that I meet my soulmate. There's a possibility that I stay single forever. There's a million possibilities in between. What I want to do is place all my energy and all my focus and really bet on the one that I want. And so the more you focus on that, the more you feel it, the more you start to attract and experiences that are like that. You know, they say like, like attracts like (laughs) in the law of attraction community and all the manifesting. But, you know, it really just means you're a human who can bet on a certain possibility. Mm. You can put as much attention on that and bring it in. So when you start doing this, what you're going to start to see happen is usually you see little trickles. So let's say you, you decide I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to focus on the energy of being with my soulmate. And I feel that with everything in my being. And I'm going to notice when my thoughts are negative and I'm going to stop it. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to keep bringing my mind back to this idea. I am with the love of my life and it's so amazing. It's better than ever before, whatever, right? You're going to do that and you're going to do that. And you're going to start to see signs. You might just see the whole guy right away, but you might start to see signs. It might get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better, or people start treating you better, or even your coworkers are treating you better or whatever. Um, Your job is to look for the signs. Mm -hmm. Your job is to notice how it's working. Your job is to create the evidence for yourself, hence dating for growth, right? Your job is to create the evidence for yourself that it's working. Mm, I love that. With attraction. Yeah, and I've definitely experienced this myself. You know, like I had a string of unavailable men who never could commit. They would go deep with me and the next thing they knew they couldn't hold it or they couldn't show up for it or they couldn't make time for it. Next thing I knew, I really called an end to that and I kept getting guys who wanted to go deeper and it's just been improving ever since. So I I totally understand what you're talking about. And so, okay, those of you taking notes, number one, stop complaining. Number two, date for growth. Number three, just say yes to the maybes. Number four, figure out what your heart really wants. And then number five, I love this one, Nicole. How can I elevate the person in front of me? So be the love. What does that mean? Yeah. So I'm a big fan of A Course in Miracles, which is just, um, you know, it's a spiritual text. And one of the things they say in there is to have give, right? There's this concept that if you're wanting to uh, have something in your life, the first step is giving it. Why? Because if you're giving something, you feel abundant in it, right? If you are giving love, that automatically means you feel abundant in love. So uh, most women do this. I don't know about men, but most women they're dating and they're just thinking about what can I get from this person? Can I get commitment from them? Right? Like, can I get what I want? And we're literally coming to the relationships as beggars. We're literally saying, I'm empty of this thing. I don't have this thing. You need to give it to me. Right. And then we go anxious. We go to crazy town. Lots of crazy things happen. So if you put your focus on every day and even in the relationship of who can I be for this person? So by interacting with me, they are elevated. They feel better about themselves. They become closer to who they really are. When you focus on that, you are being this energy of love. It's incredibly powerful. I'll tell you, when I first started dating my husband, Mike, I'm not kidding you. All I focused on was that. How do I be the woman who he feels more accepted? than he's ever felt in his entire life. He feels more respected, more safe, more secure. Like even if we never keep on dating, I wanted to be that for him and really like everyone I was dating. But guess what happened? I mean, he asked me to be exclusive on the third day. I said no. (laughs) You might need more time. But when you're being this energy of love that most people are not being, when you're saying, I'm so full of this energy, I'm so certain I'm going to get what I want 
that you don't actually need to give it to me because if you don't give it to me, I already know I'm going to get it. So if I don't need to get something from you because I know I'm going to get what I want, in this case, being with love of my life, you can just give. Mm. You can just be. You can just, like, be a light for that person. But then the effect of that is, hello, they want to be around you more. So you do end up getting what you want. Okay, so this is actually something that I love talking about because I think it's slippery slope of being generous versus giving because you expect something back or giving because subconsciously you want to be more lovable or stand out versus being the love because you want to be the love. So I'm curious, like, how do people connect to themselves and not go down that slippery slope where they're just doing it for their own ego or for their own desires of wanting to be feeling more important to that person you know what I mean wanting to win them over yeah um how do we navigate that yeah and the caveat I should say here is please don't think that if you just be love you can get like a narcissist or a totally unavailable or unavoidant man to change like we put those men in a separate category the avoidance the unavailable the narcissist the abusers just say bye (laughs) to those kind of men okay so I'm not talking about um those kind of men but here's the thing the reason you're being loving is not to get it's because it feels like the best version of you when you're loving it feels the best to you when you instead of judging someone when you try and understand them you feel better to you when you communicate in a loving and curious way instead of an attacking or um you know nagging way or whatever it is it feels better to you when you focus on the good in someone we're not saying like completely put your head under the rug and ignore stuff but when you focus on the good in someone instead of like finding reasons to pick at them and be critical it feels better to you so the whole reason you want to be loved the real reason is because it feels better to you but the side effect and the benefit of that is that when you're in this energy people end up wanting to give you what you want to. Um, I'm so curious, like, as we're closing up, like, are there books or resources you recommend or just different things that you think or or pieces of wisdom that you just want to impart to people as we are completing? Yeah, so there's a book that I give to, like, every single one of my clients that does one of my higher-level programs. Um, I think everyone should read this book. It's called The Mastery of Love by Don Miguel Ruiz. And it's just, like, a real deal breakdown on, to me, it's, like, real love. (laughs) Like, if you really want to love, you should read this book because that book is all about um, being love. It's about letting other people be themselves. It's about um, being able to be the kind of person that can find the right partner for you. So I would definitely pick up that book for sure. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Nicole. How can everybody find you, follow you, learn from you? Yeah. So you can find me at my website at loveworksmethod.com. I also have a podcast. You can find it on iTunes, um, loveworks with Nicole Moore. Um, You can find me on Instagram at at Nicole Moore Love and the Facebooks, all of those things. Um, And YouTube. I have a bajillion videos on finding love, negative love patterns. I mean, you name it. It's all on there. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Nicole. This has been so great. Hey friends, it's Ashley here just unpacking this episode with Nicole Moore on the U-Turn podcast. And I thought it was so fascinating how she called 
um, people that we sometimes call soulmates, wound mates. And I just thought, well, shit, let's talk about that because I have definitely fallen into that in the past. And I want to just give you some truth around what my experience was and what I've experienced now and what feels really healthy now. So like you've heard before, and I know I've said this in many podcasts, is the bigger the spark, a lot of the times the bigger the wound. And it's not to say that you can have a spark and it's not healthy. It's just to say that usually when you have that fireworks explosion spark, there's some sort of wounding to it because that person, quote unquote, feels like home. But when you think about home, it's all of the familiar pains that you might have experienced in your upbringing. Because a lot of the times, like we've heard before, we seek out romantic partners to heal our unmet needs that we had when we were a kid. So in my case, my dad was very anxious. He wasn't very present and uh, he was focused on business. So what have I been attracted to? A lot of guys who are really busy with business, they're um, not very present but maybe they're not that anxious because I'm trying to find someone that can, I don't know, just like heal that part of me that, you know, is so traumatized by being around an anxious man most of my life. And so for the longest time, I was attracted to a lot of highly successful men that didn't have the presence to be with me. And when I really took a look at it, it was like, oh, yeah, well, if you have a dad that's stressed out and not available all the time because he's panicking about work, then of course I'm going to go find men who are available, unavailable to me that are not emotionally available or not pre physically available or are in a different city. And in doing that, what was I doing? I was trying to solve my unmet needs. So what was my need? Presence, love, attention, affection. And so it's like I'm seeking out men that reminded me of my dad so that I could show them to give me affection and attention so that I could win them over and prove to myself that I'm worthy of love, attention, affection, all of the things. So I kind of played that out maybe a few years ago after I called off my wedding. And since then, I've been attracting a lot more healthy relationships. Thank God. Um, I think I really only attracted one relationship that I was like, uh, excuse me, quick question, like what the fuck is going on? But most of my other relationships have been like really healthy. But if from a dating standpoint, I've definitely dated guys where I'm like, ah, oh, this is probably not a good idea. This feels really woundy and sparky and not the good kind of spark. But a lot of times we mistake this big spark as being a good thing. And it really is like a drug. And as research shows, your body is experiencing a drug like high in a loving connection. And so sometimes that's what the spark is. And so when it comes to now, I've really learned to enjoy emotionally available men. And it sounds really silly because, of course, I'm going to say when I'm dating all these guys, I wish they would pay attention to me. I just want somebody who's emotionally available. But I kept on being attracted to these guys that were super busy and not available and didn't have time. So it hasn't been until recently that I've been attracted to a lot more men who have the space, have follow through, text me a date and time. I'm there. They, they communicate with me. They validate me. They're kind. And I'm like, wow, this is a new one. And I realized what happened. And like the episode with Evan Mark Katz earlier on U-Turn Podcast, he's a dating coach. If you haven't heard that episode, it's great. He says, you get what you put up with. It's not like I was attracting men that were unavailable. I was putting up with it. And so as a result, I was spending all this time with Mr. Wrong that I wouldn't even have noticed if Mr. Wright passed me by on the street because I was so committed to just being entangled in these men that weren't available to me, whether they weren't in the same city, weren't, you know, didn't have a lot of time on their calendar, whatever have you. So I think the first question to really be asking yourself leaving this episode is what 
need did you have as a kid that wasn't met? Where was your heart broken as a kid? Because for me as a coach, my job is to figure out where in a world everyone has a heartbreak, where your heart is broken, what you really wish you had that you couldn't get from your parents. Did you wish that they'd spend time with you? Did you wish that they'd teach you something? Like, what did it, what did you really yearn for and that it wasn't met? And how are you playing that out right now in your love life, wanting your partner or wanting to be dating someone that can't give you that same thing so that you could show yourself that you can get it, so you could show yourself you're worthy of it? Where are you playing that out, playing that game like I was, dating all these unavailable men to show myself I'm worthy and I could win them over and teach them how to be available just like I wish I could have taught my dad? And now my dad is, you know, older, amazing, funny little creature. I get all of my quirks from him. So you can imagine what that, what that person looks like. He's my little creator, the creation of the creator of the monster. Um, eh, I'm a good monster, I guess. Right. Okay. Now I'm having a whole conversation with myself. All of this is to say, ask yourself, what did you really yearn for from your mom or from your dad? And how are you attracted to people that can't give you that same thing? All right, signing off. Just friendly reminder, you're worthy. Sending you a lot of love. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has down the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.